Welcome to Not a Chill Hang. We're your hosts, Mary Lynn and Laura. I'm a priest. And I'm an author. And we're investigating and documenting our faith journeys and invite you to join our super chill conversations. So last time we met, we were talking about death and obviously we had a lot to say. So the conversation went on and on and on and on. So we have cut into two parts um, so that you can jump back in and join us. If you are just finding us now, uh, feel free to jump back and listen to the first part. This will make probably a lot more sense then. Yeah, so we're excited to um, hear what you think about the rest of our conversation. We delve even more into uncertainty and what it really looks like to embrace that in our lives and um, can't wait to hear what you think. So here goes part two of our conversation about death. Okay. I have a couple questions for you because oh, I'm curious. I cool. feel like I do this to you all the time and you don't really give me answers, which is like wonderful, but also frustrating. You're welcome. I feel like people must come to you and be like, Mary Lynn, what happens when I die? And yeah. what should I be doing? Right. And oh, wh- you're asking me that? Well, I, <laughs> I already know you're not going to give me the answer <laughs> that's like as clear a cut as I want, which again, I love about you. <laughs> But like, how do you sit in that tension Mm. of people coming to you and like assuming you have all the answers? Yes. And that goes back to your thing of like, oh, becoming a priest kind of like gets (laughs) me out of the like human pain of questioning and doubting and also afterlife pain. And maybe it's just me, but I just really always thought like priests know. They must know something I don't know, which mm. then makes them go through this process to be a priest and makes them suited to answer these hard questions. Yeah. But every time I've come mm-hmm. to you crying when like something's going wrong in life or in the world, you give me no answers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think the church and the kind of institution of the of ordained of professionalizing ministry mm-hmm. has like really made that or maybe intentionally done that to Mm -hmm. make it i mean it's thousands of years of like the church institutionally and the ordained people which were men needed Mm. to own the answers did have direct answers right and were were specifically the masses kind of were told like it was you know the masses couldn't even read the bible only the priests could were literate and could read and were Mm. and the people were dependent on the priests to give them direct answers so that is not weird that that's your thought even still you know i think that's still really yeah no i mean that's still really so much a part of even if it's not like we're in such a post-churched culture i think where i walk around with my collar on nobody knows at all what it means mm. not one person has ever said anything to me i mean partly i also don't look like a priest what people think <laughs> not I'm your a young average priest woman, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shout out christina <laughs> um but anyway so i think there's like less and less of that assumption but mm. it's still really there that like ordained people have answers yeah and um and i think probably the place where i really like um sort of lived into the truth of it, which is that ordained people are just regular people who are also mm. on a journey of faith. And um, I think just like have this anyway, I don't know. That's maybe another episode. Why do people get ordained? I don't mm. know the answer to that. But one place where I really wrestled with this was when I was a hospital chaplain, which was part of my training for mm. being a priest. And um, that's where I really got to sit with death and sit with people as they died and, um, sit with families who are asking questions and to be a chaplain 
is to um like really if you're a good chaplain mm. you're an interfaith interspiritual chaplain oh, who doesn't put your beliefs on other people and you're the whole idea is that you are just to hold space for someone mm. and be with them in their questioning not to answer their questions you do such a good job at that i think that's i mean that's influenced who i am as a right? priest you know and how i do what we would call pastoral care mm. which is like the way a priest you know um what's the word like companions their parishioners in their life you know when they're in the mm. hospital or when they're you know getting married yeah both things i've gotten to be with you <laughs> on both journeys you've been with me on um, so many journeys I know, i'm so lucky um that that my sort of approach is really informed by chaplaincy that mm. like i i believe everyone has their own answers and is on their own journey mm. and what we all really need we don't actually want to be given answers we no. want to be heard and yeah. we want to be seen and we want to know we're not alone in the questions mm. and i am as just as much questioning all the things as anybody mm. else i you know you know, even in seminary, we don't get like a list of like, okay, if somebody asks you this, this is what you say. Mm. You know, we take classes about different, even like about the Bible, you know, because mm. we also are in a Bible study together for many <laughs> years. So that's a whole other thing. Oh, yes. But, um, you know, even the way I learned about teaching the Bible was very much about like embracing questions and diversity of interpretation and and the and embracing the mystery of it all mm. is sort of the beauty of it, mm. you know. Anyway, I feel like I forgot what you asked me, and I'm kind of no. I loved that. everything. That was so interesting to me, and I do. I don't know if this. I mean, we can get into it. I we'll just go. Yeah. So I think the other having experienced like you like super fun Marilyn. Yeah. <laughs> I've experienced you in so at many a different Barbie situations. Party. At a Barbie party, dancing and rapping and having so much fun. Uh-huh. I've experienced you. Yes, you married me. Um yeah. <laughs> married me, my husband and I. I wish I could. I mean, you. we'd be such a dream team. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry David. <laughs> oh Sorry David and Aaron. Yeah. Um and you were there when my daughter was in the hospital and I thought she was going to die. Yeah. And um that was a really difficult <laughs> I mean it was awful yeah. I'm just it was terrible I'm still very much processing it yes and to what you said like it was interesting how different people in my life mm. were trying to support me at that time yes and mm-hmm. um, I think one of the things that's so interesting about death is that personally I've struggled in my life with how what do you say to someone who is having some who is going through a chronic illness or is is caring for someone who is dying or is going through a really hard time I feel like a lot of times my default in youth was to just not say anything because Mm. it felt so uncomfortable and I didn't want to say the wrong thing yes and then later in life when I was going through my evangelical phase which again is a whole other topic Uh I wanted to give these platitudes of like and that's what we're told in that tradition we're, yeah we're like this answers. is for a reason like god doesn't give us more than we can handle no this is just your cross to bear yeah. and like yeah you can't he won't give you more than you can handle uh-huh. and like i can tell you right now god's given me way more than i can handle mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i also don't know that he gave it to me that's a whole nother that's what I was whole nother conversation but i mean when you're like in the mud pit and like mud's falling on you and you're just like mm-hmm. this shit can't get any worse yeah it's not super helpful to hear I have it this doesn't memory. help. Oh, no. And I have this memory of like being in my chaplaincy training. It was one of like the first 
times it was like a cohort of people mm. and i was sitting with this group of people and there were a couple of people from my seminary it was over the summer while i was getting divorced anyway Ooh. total shit show <laughs> oh boy but i was sitting there and this one guy who i was in seminary with was there and he was honestly just an annoying guy and <laughs> shout out to annoying a, guy shout out um and we were doing like a role play mm. and the guy and at, at this point i was doing a summer as a chaplain at a retirement community so it was mm. end of life lots stuff. of stuff and yeah lots of death and um mm. and so the role play was okay this person's talking to you and they just say i'm gonna die i'm dying mm. and the question was what's your response as the chaplain and all of us were like well what's your diagnosis and like mm. how long do you have and what's that feel like that you're gonna die and like mm. you know all these talking talking or like even platitudes like mm -hmm. whatever it was mm -hmm. that we came up with and this annoying guy who i thought never had any good ideas <laughs> Literally, he said, well, if someone said that to me, I would just say, you're dying. Like, just repeat back the thing. Ugh. And we all were immediately, we were like, that's the true thing. Like, Annoying that's the right answer. He, he knew all along. Yes. And that's such a good example, I think, of like, if someone says to you, like, I'm dying, mm. it's like, they don't need you to s ask about their diagnosis mm -hmm. or like, mm -hmm. tell them it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. They just, they're telling you that so that they can be heard and seen. Mm for this really hard thing they're doing, you know? Mm. And there's something also, I think, in saying, like verbalizing yeah. so a truth that you're living in right now and like hearing putting someone it to else words say it. and hearing someone else say it yes. and not just like being by yourself with that in your head because exactly. then that can go to real dark, spirally yes. places. That is the healing in itself mm. is like shining the light on the mm -hmm. pain is yeah. where the healing happens, you know? Yeah. Which I feel like, I mean, when, you know, we were in the hospital, mm -hmm. And nobody knew what was wrong and no yeah. one really knew how to fix it. Yeah. And there were like hosts of people. <laughs> there was like camps of people texting me medical advice. There were yeah. camps of people asking a lot of questions. There were camps of people just bringing amazing gifts and food. I mean, everyone kind of responded in this different way of love, which mm -hmm. was like appreciated. But what really I think got me through was you coming and me saying, why is this happening? Am mm. I being punished? Mm. Is this like why? Mm -hmm. And you just sat with me literally mm -hmm. <laughs> with breakfast burritos mm -hmm. in a hard place and we're just mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And that I never got an answer mm -hmm. from you or God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and honestly, even from the doctors, why did this happen? Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's something that like will always be a mystery. Yes. And weirdly, the more I like saying it out loud, mm -hmm. that lifted a bit. Yeah, there yeah. was something about saying it to another human being mm -hmm. versus me sitting by myself late at night, Naya's unconscious, and I'm just yeah in my head spinning. Why is this happening? Yeah, um, there is there is something healing there mm -hmm. because you you couldn't fix it. Yeah. Even the doctor, I mean, they did <laughs> they did fix it. She's fine. Yeah, she's great. She's wonderful now. Yeah, and they did fix whatever was going on. Yeah, but like, there's no fix to death. And Ugh, so that's there's no fix. But we live our lives like there is. Hundred percent. Like I was talking to my dad the other day, mm -hmm. and he's struggling with coming to terms with getting older and yeah. his body not being the same body he had in his twenties and thirties and forties. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times we focus on the external solutions of youth and yes. like how can we not look like we're getting closer to death? <laughs> right. But like we still are. <laughs> yeah i mean no amount of like 
healthy eating or Botox or exercise is going <laughs> to solve the problem of death. Side note. Sorry, this is so morbid, but I feel I can't like wait. <laughs> I feel like in future, like archaeologists are going to be like, these yeah. are like the best preserved mummies. Like they have no wrinkles, but they're still very dead. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> we're just all full People of Botox are- <laughs> and collagen and like super fit. <laughs> That's hysterical. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that weird? I don't know. (laughs) I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. wonder, like, Mm -hmm. what will people in the future think of us? Because we're just going to keep dying, I think, is what's so... Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's tough, and it's so... It, to me, gives life meaning. You know, I mean... There is no meaning without death. There's Mm. no meaning in anything without it ending. Mm. And it's the pain of like, oh, Mary Oliver. I have to find that Mary Oliver poem. That's like to love something is to like hold it and then also know that it's going to die and love it enough to let it go. You know, Mm. I have to find the poem Mm. and read it maybe. But um, I will say. Yeah. (laughs) I will say that I have never loved my dog Walter more than the day I thought he was going to die. <laughs> Honestly, he is almost 13. Yeah. We've it been... definitely heightens yeah, feelings. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, he. I really thought he was about to die. And mm-hmm. then he. Is this the burrito situation? This is the burrito situation. Okay. He ate a Ziploc bag, a sealed Ziploc bag with half a burrito <laughs> in it, whole. <laughs> just gulped it down and then we just had to wait and see like what was gonna happen should we take him to the uh-huh. vet should we like they said to watch him so i just waited and watched mm-hmm. and thought god i love this dog and yeah i mean like <laughs> it alternated between like you are the worst why would you do this and i love you so much and this might be my last time with you and like i just noticed like his mm. eyes and like his fur and the way he lo- i mean it mm. does it heightens this mm-hmm. um yeah it's this heightened Heightened attention to like things that have always been there, like to the reality that we become blind to without the reminder, you know, and Mm. that's what like in a way I think is the gift of religion is like it actually is a constant reminder of like Mm. or a container to put all of our Mm. fears about death and and to me not really necessarily get answers, but to Mm. at least a container to ask them in, you know, Mm -hmm. and a and a continual call back to remember it yeah and I feel like that's so I I find that important because I don't feel like it's a topic that other people are comfortable being a container for depending on where they are in their life experience and their journeys like without that community Mm -hmm. regardless of you know what what it is right without a community or people you feel comfortable having Mm -hmm. that reminder of and having those conversations with Mm -hmm. um yeah. You just want to shove it down and not, and totally. pretend like it's not happening. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've covered a lot. We've covered so much. Yeah, I this love has been it. so fun. It's, it is. Yeah. <laughs> this is fun for us. So if this was fun for you and you don't have a community of people to just like Wonder. contemplate this mm-hmm. stuff with, we're here for you. We love you. Absolutely. And we're going to keep talking about weird, hard things that one will encounter when they start asking questions like what happens when I die and should Mm. I be doing something (laughs) about it or not? And I think I want to clarify like as, as the religiously affiliated person, (laughs) no, not the professional, but (laughs) people feel nervous to talk to priests about 
their questions. Overall. Everyone except my child. That's where Everyone's I was going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Everyone true. except my child yeah. who, this is even before her near-death experience. Yeah. We did like a tour of the cemetery. I think that was how this yeah. got started. Yeah. She, we were, she was like seeing um, this cool, you know, burial type place at the church. And she asked Mary Lynn, when we die and we go to heaven, do you bring your own eyeballs or do you get new eyeballs in heaven? Yeah. Such a good question. And there's so many layers to that. Yes. That I love. Yes. Um, Me too. Because she's already thinking ahead mm-hmm. to like, sh- <laughs> I just, it- I think it came up because the people in this burial site are cremated. Yeah. So they don't have their bodies anymore yes. or like their body doesn't exist mm-hmm. in the so same when they, form. Yeah. So what are you going to, like, if you're supposed to have your own eyeballs when you mm. get there, what are these cremated people going to do? Because if when you die, you go up to a cloudy place with an old man. Exactly. God. With a gate. With a gate. You oh. don't want to show up and not have your own eyeballs. Yeah. Because you chose cremation versus exactly. like. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And those are such. I love that she asked that question. Right? Yeah. Because I yeah. wonder that too. Yeah. But I would feel so weird. Yeah. I mean, not now walking up to you and asking yeah. you this, but like how... Like, yeah. it was hard for me to even just go inside a church when I first started realizing I was interested in yeah. maybe exploring religion. Like, I, yeah. you would have thought I was, like, looking at weird, creepy websites the way that I, like, <laughs> snuck into my room and, like, went on my computer and, like, Googled, like, church live streams. <laughs> <laughs> so I could creepily like watch a church service from the safety of my own home and not have to interact with any creepy church people. No offense. Or none, like, none taken. None taken. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I wanted to just like be a voyeur to like, yeah. what's church like these days? Oh my gosh. And so many people have that same experience. That's good. I'm not alone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I want to say just like as a church person, obviously I can't mm-hmm. get away from my connection to it. You know, um, <laughs> I want to like really like my I have no interest in converting anyone I have no interest Mm. in um giving correct answers and I have no belief that my tradition of Mm. faith is right for everyone at all you Mm -hmm. know so I want I don't want that to be a barrier for this Mm. like you and I have this unique kind of relationship and I think each of us have our own unique um stories about faith and building our faith and having it be torn apart or fallen mm-hmm. apart and rebuilding it and I, i'm excited to share it on this podcast and this conversation and i'm you know what i mean like i want people who listen to know that it's not um you know what i'm saying we're not going to give you answers yeah we want and be we're not in trying to conversation convince you with people. yes we're not trying to convince you of a right answer exactly yeah and i think that's a really unique space to have where it's a safe place to explore and to ask questions without consequences or judgment or preconceived notion i I just think we all arrive whether or not you consider yourself a religious or spiritual person we're all gonna die yeah and you must have thoughts or feelings about that i actually did a poll at my birthday party because again (laughs) not a chill hang like mid barbie disco party just Uh like guys no but really like have you ever thought you were gonna die yeah and i feel like i learned so much about some friends that i have known for like decades Mm -hmm. that i'm like wow that was like deep you Mm -hmm. know i just feel like when we ask questions like that without wanting the person to give us a certain answer or wanting to convince them uh, Mm -hmm. that a certain answer is right 
Yeah. It's just an opportunity to get to know and also mm-hmm. to like reflect on what do you actually think? Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. like I did spend so much of my life avoiding sitting with that question that mm-hmm. I think this is a beautiful space where, yes, you're a professional church person. Yeah. <laughs> I think about church too much. <laughs> you like that's your job. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I love that. Like you said, you're also on this journey. Like yeah. we all are. We are yeah. not arrived no at a point of supreme knowledge and like i have all the answers it's a constant like questioning yeah believing not believing questioning it's like you build these castles yeah and then a wave hits and you're like oh okay Mm -hmm. and maybe you'll keep some of the stuff the way you were building the previous castle or maybe you'll start over i don't know this Mm, is maybe a weird such a good metaphor i love the visual but i mean i love it yeah i just feel like that to me feels like this Mm -hmm. journey it's like a constant i've been on this this quest now (laughs) since i was Mm -hmm. 30 i think Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna be 40 in a couple years Mm -hmm. i like how you said that <laughs> not giving a specific number of years. I'm just saying, when I was younger, I kind of thought, okay, 30, I'm going to have it all figured out. And then 30 came, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and then you know, uh-huh. there's a danger in thinking 40, I'm going to have mm-hmm. it all figured out. But yeah. I do feel like there is wisdom in realizing we mm-hmm. may never have it all figured out. I and I might be that elderly person mm-hmm. on my deathbed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think if you, you're going to be the person that comes, I don't think you're going to give me an answer. I'm going to be like, I'm dying. And you're going to be like, you're, you're dying. dying. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a good full circle callback. That was really like what good. I did there. Yeah. yeah I love that. Yeah. I, God, I hope so. I hope we never have it figured out. I mean. So we hope that you found something valuable in this conversation. If not, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Uh, We are so grateful for you guys listening and we want to hear what you think. We are so excited on our next podcast. We are going to do an interview with um, just a really amazing human being who has experienced very intense death, grief, um, Yeah, so she's been doing hard things and we're really excited to talk to her. If you have questions about like, I feel like a lot of times when you're a close friend of yours or even just like an acquaintance is like, how are you? And they're like, oh, somebody died. They're like, you know, you don't know what to say, right? And like, there's so many things you can say that are not actually helpful or you might just not even know how to respond. So I don't know if you have questions that you want us to ask her about how she worked through the grief, you know, how friends walk beside her. I don't know. Anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything you'd want to ask someone who's experienced a big loss in their life, let us know and we will ask our next guest. You can click the link in the description. Yes. And send us your voice voice recordings and we'd love to hear what you're wanting to know more about. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, David Tremaine, and the rest of the Not A Chill Hang production staff, Carrie Robinson, Crystal Sam, and a shout out to St. Andrew's Studio for giving us the recording space. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.